chapter 22, Matthew 22. Thank you, guys. I love that song. All those songs are amazing. You guys did a great job. Thanks, Winona. All right, Emma, it's better. There we go. And um, so, normally, well, if he were here, for sure, I would um, start by making fun of my brother-in-law. Um, but he's not here, so I'm just going to start by telling you one thing that impresses me about him. There are many things, actually, that do impress me about him. One thing that I learned from him in my early 20s, he was uh, starting a business. I was working to help him before he was my brother-in-law, but he, he got me hooked on like all this like time management, planning kind of stuff. He's just an effective, efficient uh, guy, and I've seen after years and years and years, he's been very successful in business with it, and I think it, it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that he was intentional about what he does with his time as a, as a businessman. And, and so he got me hooked on the, the maybe if you're old, you remember uh, day plan, day, what do they call it, day timers? Anybody have, a, anybody have a day timer in here? It was like before we had iPhones, we had these little calendars we would carry around with us in our pocket and we would write, do you still use it? Because I, I, I've gone back and then I, I still, somewhere on my bookshelf, I have a box with all of the minutes that I filed for every month, and you'd write down your mileage, you'd write down the things that were most important, and you carried, you didn't have everyone's number on your phone, you had a little, I had a gray address book in there that I carried in my wallet, so it was a wallet that was like the, twice the size of a regular wallet with a pin in it, and did that, and then Franklin Covey, they came out with another one that was a day planner, you, if you were like serious about it, you had the notebook, right, and it was like this leather bound thing, and you can get the, the five by eight one and, and, and go in there. And there were all these principles of time management. And one of the things I remember from it, I don't know if it came from Franklin Covey. I probably should have looked that up before I go include it in a message. But um, that, that, that I learned from my brother-in-law, Rob, was I remember going to his office, and, and he had a big giant. Like, he was just, he had this, he didn't have the, the he had the daytime or wallet thing, and he, but he was too, I don't know, obsessive-compulsive to have the, just the notebook. He had this giant, like, like leather, like, I don't know, notebook, like bigger than an eight and a half by 11 thing. And in it had all these slots, and had these little cards about the size of post-it notes with the things he was supposed to do that day. And he would organize them. And on one, he would always write this one at the very top, and it was always in the front, and he wrote the letters M-I-N on it. Most important now. And most important now, which is a great question to ask yourself. What Am I doing what is most important now? What's most important for me to do right now in this moment so when you're at work this week you can go am i doing what's most important now it's probably not surfing facebook i'm pretty sure or insta whatever you're doing um but um and so whatever's most important now if if you're ever on tiktok i promise you that is not most important but the the um but but all these other things that you're doing i don't even know what it is really i'm acting like i know what it is but i have no idea but the um um i got so but most important now and and so that's what we're going to talk about today really as far as God's concerned, what matters most? Because I think a lot of times you go through life and we're thinking, God, I want to do what, what matters most to you. I want to I I react to my kids the way I want to raise them a way that, that would please you. I want to do, if you know him, you want to do this. And, and really, if you think about it, in all of life, doesn't it make sense to do what the one that created it all says matters most? I mean, if I want to try to figure out how to live life and what to do, it seems like I should go to the one that created me and say, what do you think matters most? Because what, what I think matters most, I mean, if what I think, you know, if what I thought matters most, then, you know, then, then we wouldn't have two away games next year, right? We would have, we, things would work out differently. And so what, what happens to me, what I think matters most, um, sometimes might not be exactly what God thinks matters most. And so what's most important now to God? 
And, and what we're going to find is that if we, we focus on what matters most right now, then tomorrow can look a lot different. It can look a lot better if you do what matters most right now. And so for the opening kind of idea there of my brother-in-law focused year after year, day after day, month after month on what m- is most important now. And he's been a very successful businessman. He's, he's gotten a very healthy place and, um, and he's done that spiritually too, I think in some ways on his good days. He can be very carnal too and frustrating. But, um, but for the most part, he's focused on what matters with his relationship with God. Even there, like the last time I hung out with him, I was like, dude, let's get on the road, let's get on the road. And he's just laying in bed. I'm like, what are you doing? But he was reading his Bible and I was ready to go do something. And it's like he's prioritizing that time with God, which is, it matters. What's most important now? But the question, I think if we just ask ourselves that question, if we just pause, and really maybe I just need to preach the title of the sermon today. Because if we just ask ourselves this question, I should have put a question mark on it. What matters most? If you ever just, just stop and think about that for a minute, if I could just do that myself, because I'll get in the moment, and what matters to me most in the moment is that the printer works correctly, right? It's that, um, it's that, it's that I, I make my point, or it's that I, 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 things work out the way I want them to. But what really matters most, if we pause and just ask ourselves that question, just, just slow down before we react, before we say that thing that just came into our mind because we have the gift of sarcasm and we think it'll be funny. Um, if, we, if we just pause and say, what really matters most right now? That I get to laugh or is there something else that matters most? Is there something else that matters most? And so, and what we'll find is I think if we focus on what matters most, we're going to see, actually, I think there are some things we can do. We'll talk about this in a moment. That not only does what matter most, what matters most, I think, according to Jesus, is, is, is important, but I think there are some things we can do in our lives every day that will help us focus on what matters most, help us increase even what matters most, uh, our, our participation in what matters most to God. So, so I, think, I think what we're going to see this morning, uh, we're going to revisit a familiar set of verses to us in Matthew 22. Um, we're going to see how Jesus answered that question of what matters most, which I think is a, is a great guy to ask. And the, the reason that he asks, answers the question is he's kind of in the middle of this series of attacks, really. Actually, he's near the end of it. He's actually going to, I saw one, one guy break down Matthew chapter 22, and like, it was like a boxing match. So last night, I think Tyson Fury won, but it's like there's this, there's this, there's this boxing match, and there's four, um, four rounds. In round one, this group of people come to Jesus to try to trip him up. He's actually getting ready to go to the cross, but he's coming to town, and he's real popular. They don't like that people are following him, and they want to, they find something against him. It's like worse than a presidential debate, right? They're going after him. And so they're going after him. And the first thing they ask him is a question about taxes. And he, he, he wins that round. He answers it great. Next, a group of religious people come up. They were known in his day. There were two main kind of religious groups. One were known as Sadducees and one were known as Pharisees. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. And so they're there. I can't not do that joke. It's a terrible joke, but I can't not do it. The, um, so they come up and they ask him a question that has to do with the resurrection. And someone that got married and their spouse died and they got remarried and all these things. And they ask him this silly question, um, one of those weird questions you would ask God, you know. And so they, and, 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 and he, he answers them, puts them in their place, wins. And, and what's funny is like the Pharisees are against the Sadducees. It's like Republicans, Democrats, but spiritually. And so they're there. And so they're kind of happy. The Pharisees are happy when the Sadducees get put in their place. So they get together and they send a guy. In fact, look with me at Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 is where we pick up. Um, and actually, I'm hoping we can get, I'll just give you a, a, a preview beyond this that we don't even have in your bulletin today. 
But go home and read 41 through 45, because then, so this is round three. He's going to win this round. They ask him about what matters most. And when he finishes, it's so cool in 41 through 45, because he starts to, he tells them more than they ask. And he basically explains that he is the Messiah, which means he is God, which means he is the one he's talking about when he gives them this answer. that says, you need to love God. And, and, and it's, it's an amazing text. So he, all four rounds, Jesus wins. And really round four, 41 through 45, is the knockout round. And it's actually why they, what they use to try to kill him, because he, he claims to be God, clearly there, and because he is. But before we get there, in verse 34, the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. He just dropped the mic. They were done. They couldn't go anywhere. They didn't have a comeback to him. And, and, and so they gather together. They huddle up. And one of them, verse 35, a lawyer, not 1-800-ASK-GARY lawyer, not, a, not Barnes, Barnes, this is a, a guy that's an expert in the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He knew this. They memorized it. They would debate about what was the most important law. These guys knew the law of God inside and out, probably memorized the whole thing. And they send this guy up to, to test him, to ask him a question. And the guy asks a great question, better than Forky even. Only two people got that one. But a, a lawyer asks him a question to him, and he says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Which is a great question to ask Jesus, isn't it? Isn't, that's kind of, so, so you know, even though this guy doesn't acknowledge that Jesus is, is God come in the flesh yet, he recognizes he's got some wisdom, he's wise, he understands knows God. Let me ask him a great question. If you could ask God any question, what would you ask him? Like, why did you make mosquitoes, right? Why did you make cats? It's usually a why question. Isn't that what we usually come up with? It's, God, why did you let this happen? Why did this happen? What do I, you know? And, and what this guy asks is better than that. He asks a what question. He's got, what do you want us to do? What does God want us to do? What matters most to God? What is the greatest commandment in the law? Because here's what this was. But in the context of these guys, this was, this was an, a normal conversation for them. They, they would sit around. They, they had actually figured out that, and I haven't counted this myself. I probably couldn't do it very well. But I've heard and read that in the, the Ten Commandments, uh, there are 613 Hebrew letters in Hebrew. So there's 613 letters. And what they, these guys did, somehow going along with that, they get for some weird reason, they went through the first five books of the Bible, and they made a list of 613 commands from God. So, so the, and this is kind of how some of you have viewed church before, Christianity. You thought it was just a, it's a list of a bunch of do's and a bunch of don'ts. It's a bunch of, so there's 613 laws that they're worried about keeping. They were sitting around and arguing. They, they, they had 365 uh, things that thou shalt not. Don't do these things, right? Don't do these 365 things. These are things God doesn't want you to do. And, and so they have a no-faced God, I guess. And so then they, they had 248 that they had listed that they were things that you, you should do. I was going to say do-do, but that would, be, that would make me giggle. So that you should do. These are the thou shalt. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. So 248 list of things here. 365 you shouldn't do. And they would sit around and argue about which ones are the greatest, which ones matter most. Which one's the most important? It was, they were more passionate about ranking these things than, than, than you are about which college football team should actually have been number four this year, right? It's, it's this big debate, and they're always arguing about it. But yet the answer is so simple. It's kind of wild that they do this because they know this. In fact, in, in another place, Luke records that Jesus asks one of these guys one time, what matters most? And he gives him the same answer that Jesus says here. So this was this was kind of common knowledge to him. They're trying to trip him up, but they're asking him a great question. 
What really matters most to you, God, because what we'll do sometimes is we'll come to church and we'll think what matters most, God, is just that I, that, 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 that I, that I, that I, I don't know, whatever the thing, I was going to come up with something weird. I don't want to count what you're saying. What, what, what matters, we'll think it matters, because um, it's not that they don't matter. It matters how we dress. It matters um, that, we, that we show up to church. It matters that we don't cuss so much, right? It matters that we, um, it, these are things that matter most, but they're not what matters most to God. There's one thing he says that this matters most. In fact, later on, he says in this text, in verse 40, if you skip ahead, he says on these two things I, he said, he said, hang all the law and the prophets. Everything depends on these two things. And really, if we had to narrow it down, it'd be this one thing. This is the one thing that matters most is Jesus' answer. Let's look what he says. Look what he says. And in verse 37, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And all he means by it, he's quoting what these guys had probably already said that morning out loud. They had memorized, uh, this is called, it's called the Shema. And, and, and um, if you have any Jewish friends, ask them what the Shema is. They can probably rattle it off to you. I can, I can, I can, I can rattle off the first word of it, which is Shema. I mean, so it just means here. And he says, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, and then it goes into Deuteronomy 6 5, where it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And so they knew this, they said it every day. They knew this was the greatest commandment. And Jesus says, this is what matters most to God. The problem is, the problem is, when these guys heard this, they're like, yeah, I know that. That means I do that. And maybe that's where you are. And so today you're saying, well, no, this is not new. I come here, you have it on the wall. We talk about it all the time. We're gonna love God, love people, change the world. Well, the question is not, do you know you're supposed to do it? The question is, do you actually do it? Because if you actually do it, then the other things, in fact, if we had to eliminate love God, I mean, love people and change the world. If we had to pick one of these three to, to focus on, it would have to be love God because Jesus said it's the greatest. But if you get this one thing right, everything else in your life will fall into place. If, if you love God, you will love people. If you love God, you will make disciples. If you love God, you will love your husband, love your wife, love your kids. You, you, you will have more joy. You will, it, your life will make sense. You, it, it is everything Rises and falls on this one thing. This is what matters most. Do you love God? And if we're honest about that question in our lives, and if these guys were honest, they would have led them to where God wants all of us to go, and they would have had to say, yeah, I'm not there. No, I I don't love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. I want to. In fact, fact, now I have moments where I do, and I want it, and the trajectory of me all my life is that I do. But man, every time I sin, every time I sin, it's because I'm not loving God. In that moment, I'm not doing what matters most. I'm loving myself more. I'm, I, I've forgotten about how much God loves me. I think that I have to go around him to get what I want. And that's, that's really where this thing starts. We'll go to in a moment. It's, it's, it's entrusting that God loves you. But anybody here, does anybody here not sin like the last month or year or something? Anybody here not do that? Right. So you might become a Christian and then you just stop sinning. Yeah, nobody, oh, okay, you just lied. No, nobody raised their hand. I'm just kidding. There's no, I'm pretending there's somebody back there. There's nobody back there. But so, like, like, just, I mean, we can just go ask your spouse, right? Or we can ask your parents or we can ask your kids, right? They'll, they'll tell us. We, we all know this. And yet, God still says the most important thing that I want you to do is to love God. But He's asking you to do something. Here's what's crazy. Not crazy. It seems crazy. It's really pretty awesome. But at first glance, I guess you have to think about it for a minute, though. If you think about it, he's asking you to do something you just don't want to do. You just can't do on your own. I just can't, I can't even, I can't even, 
Like, I can't make myself do this. God, I, every time I sin, I'm repenting and going, Lord, I didn't want to do that. I want to love you with all my heart. And here I forgot about how much you love me. And I was loving myself more than I loved you or loving them. And I've gone the wrong way. And now, God, I didn't do what matters most. And now there are consequences and there's shrapnel. And there's all this stuff going on in my life because I didn't love you most. So how do we, how do we get to where we, we actually do this? We'll talk about that in a moment. But, but when it gets right down to it, at the end of the day, with this whole Christianity thing, it's not about whatever brand of theology you have, although you should have good theology. I want to have good theology. It's not about how much you read your Bible, although I want you to read your Bible. We'll talk about that in a moment. It's not about what version of the Bible you're reading. It's not about who you're going to vote for or not vote or if you're going to vote at all. It's, 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 it's about whether or not you are loving God in your life when you go to vote whether you're not you're loving God in your life when you're talking about, 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 about politics, when you're at your job, when you're selling the house, when you're making the widget, when you're whatever you're doing. It's about whether or not you're doing that in a, with a heart that loves God. In fact, um, there's this guy named C.S. Lewis. You ever heard of him? He wrote this, uh, these books called Chronicles of Narnia and a lot of other great stuff. Um, if you need some quotes, just ask Jeff. He's read like everything C.S. Lewis has wrote, I think. And so... Um, what was that one? The Four Loves? The Five Loves? What's that one called? Four Loves? What's this? What's C.S. Lewis book? I'm just stopping and talking to you. About Four Loves. I've never read it. I need to read it. But Jeff's told me all about it. It's a great book. I, rec- I can recommend it based on what he said. This quote might have come from it. <laughs> Go ahead and share the quote. That's better. That's what I'm trying to get to. C.S. Lewis said, Every moment of every day you are confronted with a choice. You either place God at the center of your life or you place something else there. Either God's, the, the core, the center of your life is loving God or something else is there. So, so, so every moment of my day, I am either I'm, I'm eating breakfast and I'm loving God or I'm not loving God. And either that's at the center of why I want to eat or, or why I want to talk or why I want to preach or why I want to drive home. And, and so, so I'm either loving God or I'm not. And so he's saying this is, this is the battle. This is what matters most. And it's keeping that, that idea, keeping that love for God because it is most important, keeping that at the core of our being, at the center of, of, of who we are. It's kind of like when you were, um, not you, I'm scrawny, but like when I was younger and I would work out, like I'd want to curl, I never had, I'll have, I have scrawny biceps, but like you ever see people just get big old, huge, some of you might have these huge biceps, they just curl, 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 that's all they're doing is working their biceps, or they just go do bench press, right? They're going to do bench press, we're going to get giant pecs, which I don't know, or bird chest, whatever happens, so they're going to do giant pecs, and it's like those are great and all, but then they always make fun of the guys because they have legs and ankles like me. They got scrawny little legs, and it's like, what's going on here? You know, you can't like you got really big arms, but you can't stand up to lift anybody up, right? What you need, what you need, what they say now, at least what I've been understanding, is what you need is good a good core. And you don't really nobody goes around flexing their back muscles, right? You don't go around. It's not your core is not what you really see, but it's what I was talking to the men about yesterday morning. It's what helps you get up off the floor. It's what helps you kind of get off other places where you sit, right? It's, it's, it's where you, it's, it's helping you function in life. And, 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 and it's from that core. Then if you have a strong core and you have big biceps, then yeah, maybe you can pull somebody out of a car one day. Maybe you can help defend yourself. But if you have a weak core, you can look really great on the outside. But if at the core of your being, if your core is not strong, then, then something's going to knock you off balance really easily. And you're going, you're going through life, no matter how strong you look, you're going to be weak. That's why you have people that are really successful in business, but at the core of their being, they're doing it all for their ego or for their fragile thing. And then one thing comes along, and if they lose the business, they're not okay. 
or if the core of what makes me okay is just even good things, like, like if it's just your marriage or your family or your kids, then what happens when that gets rough or, or even sometimes that'll go away and you're like, oh, I, I'm, I'm not okay anymore. I'll never be okay. And that's just, that's one, that's just not true. But the reason you think that is because at the core of your being, you don't have love for God there. But if you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, then whatever happens in every other relationship, you've got this foundational core truth that God loves me, I'm his child, and that affects everything else. And so, so to keep that, him at the center of our lives, is the daily battle. So, so back to, to, to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus said, the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So how are you doing? What matters most to God? The last thing that you got real passionate about, that you were intentional about, that you talked about, that you thought about, are you really loving God with all your heart? It says something about us if we don't love God and if we're okay with not loving God. In fact, in fact what happens when we're not loving God, we're actually ripping ourselves off. Because you were created to love him. You were created to get, get, get joy from him. You were created to be satisfied in him. But when we don't love him, we're, we're, we're actually ripping ourselves off. And so that's why John told the church at Ephesus when he wrote uh, the letter, we know it's 1 John to them. In 1 John chapter 2, he told them, he said, don't love the world or the things in the world. And he wasn't saying don't love to go fishing, right? That's, I mean, we have biblical evidence that fishermen were the first followers of Jesus. It's godly to fish, right? So you should, some of you need to go fishing more. And so, but he's saying, he's not saying don't love that because it's in the world. He's saying don't love the world's system. Don't love, don't love the world. Or don't, make the, don't make fishing your idol, the thing that you have to have to be okay. You, you don't make your family, your kids, what you have to have to be okay. You don't love the world or the things that are in the world or even really more specifically with John. He's talking about a system that's set up that says you can be okay apart from God. Or, or even, even religiously, what we do to loving the world, you can come to church and love the world because you come to church and say, if I go to church, it's going to help me in my business. If I come to church, it's going to fix this marriage. If I come to church, I'll get more, whatever it is. And we're using God to get stuff. And that's loving the world, even though it looks like we're loving God. But to love God says, God, if everything else goes away, you're the most important thing to me. And so I want to love you. John said, don't love the world, the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God, whoever does the will of God abides forever. And the will of God, Jesus, when he showed up, he said the will of God is that you repent and believe the gospel, and that you love God with all your heart. And now, so, so what he's not saying is you have to do this perfectly in order to earn God's favor, right? Because that, that can't be right. Because the gospel says that, that, that God only loves, God loves sinners, We've all sinned, we've all broken God's law, and we need a Savior. So when I turn from my sin and I trust Christ, here's the crazy thing, it's not, not crazy, it's genius, but it looks crazy to us, because he says, you gotta love me with all your heart, and we're going, I can't love you with all my heart, I don't love you with all of my heart. He says, once you admit that and you confess that and you turn and you trust Jesus to make you right, you say, Jesus, you're the one that can make me right, you can forgive my sin, and I'm gonna look to you to be right with God, not what I do, I'm trusting Jesus. He says, now I'll give you a new heart. I'll forgive you. In fact, when Jesus died on the cross, he says, I'm paying for that sin when you didn't love me. I'm going to take the wrath that you deserve for not doing that, for dishonoring God, and I will give you my righteousness. And now you have a new heart, a new trajectory. So now the direction of your life is to love God more. We were talking about it um, yesterday morning. I don't know, maybe John, oh, there's John. So we were talking about John yesterday morning, and we were talking about how it was, he said this thing, it was a great, um, we're, we're talking about direction, not perfection. 
right? We're talking about direction. The trajectory of my life now, I want to love God. I can start to see myself love God more. And when I don't love God, I'm repenting, right? So there's this idea that now I have a new way of living and I'm not doing that in order to be forgiven, but that starts with being forgiven. Because I've been forgiven by God, because I'm his child, now I want to love him more. And then Jesus goes on, and we'll get into this more next week, but he says, that's the first and great commandment, verse 8. He says, so again, Jesus is saying, here's what matters most. Do you love me? Do you love God? This is what matters most. Is the way I'm responding, does it show that I love God? This is what matters most. And he gives them more than they asked for. A second is like it. Because here's what it looks like when you love God. What does it look like when you love God? Here's what it looks like. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this is what matters second most. And, and this is an idea I want us to, 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 to kind of drill down a little bit today and a lot more next week. But I read this quote this week about this whole idea of loving your neighbor or loving people around you um, because it's important to God. It matters to God. It matters second most important. You love God first and then you'll love your neighbor. Because really the way you show love to God is you love what was created in his image. You love these, you love them. But really, if you love your wife more than you love God, that's idolatry, right? And so you're, in fact, if you love your wife more than you love God, or you love your husband more than you love God, or you love your kids more than you love God, you're putting weight on them they were never designed to carry. And you're saying, as long as they're okay, as long as I'm a good husband, a good dad, a good wife, whatever, as long as I'm, as long as, as long as that's good, then I'm, I have value and I have worth and I'm good. You're, you're trying to get your identity from something that you weren't, it wasn't created to give you your identity. It was created to be an outlet for you to show your love for God. You get your identity from God. You say, God, now because of who you are, because I love you, I want to love them. In fact, in fact, I read this quote from John Bloom. It's a great quote. Listen to this. The, the most loving thing we can do for others is to love God more than we love them. The most loving thing you can do for your kids, mom, is to love God more than you love them. The most loving thing you can do for your wife, husband, is to love God more than you love her. The most loving thing you can do for those that you love is your, your grandkids, your parents, is to love God more than you love them, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. For if we love God most, we will love others best. So if you love God most, if you get this thing first, then you're able to do everything else better because that's, that's what matters most. And, and, and so if you love God, I, I see as Lewis, he's, he said that every, every Christian would agree that a man's spiritual health is exactly proportional to his love for God. You want to grow in your faith? You need to love God more, obviously. But then, so then that's kind of where this gets a little bit sticky. And then he says, well, let's finish the text, and then we'll get some practical stuff here real quick. He says, the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 40, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophet. So those 613 rules, all this stuff you're trying to come up with and figure out, what, you know, what does God want me to do here? How, how, should, how should I respond to this? Should I forgive? How do I treat this person? If you love God and you love people, I mean, it just goes with the Ten Commandments, right? If you love God, are you going to have other gods before him? You're going to worship idols? You love God with all your heart, you're not going to do that. If you love your neighbor as yourself, are you going to steal from them? Are you going to murder them? I mean, if you think about it, of these two commands, that encompasses kind of the whole thing, but that's the way of life after the gospel. That's the way of life. That's not what you do in order to be forgiven. God, because if that's what you're doing to be forgiven, you've already failed, because God's standard is perfection. And so if you're perfection, if you're saying, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm better than my brother-in-law, which probably isn't that hard, especially if you're my brother-in-law. You could say that about me. But if, you, if, if that's the case, then you're saying, um, then I'm a good person. So God, you owe me? You're missing heaven. You're missing it by a mile because the reality is you have broken God's law. You've already missed number one. You've already missed the most important thing. And, and the standard is perfection. The only person that's ever really done that is Jesus. 
And if you will trust him today, his righteousness will count for you. And then, then he gives you this new heart. And now, if you want to live in joy, you want to walk in peace, you want, you want to have an abundant life, then you've got to love God more than you love your family. You've got to love God more than you love anyone else. In fact, that's where Jesus goes. If you go home and read, man, go home and read Matthew 10, 37. It's kind of wild, this Matthew 22, 37 and Matthew 10, 37. It's shocking what Jesus says. But it's true. I mean, there, this is a high standard. He's saying, he's saying your love for God has to be first, foremost, has to have, must have priority. And how do you know? So I'm asking you, do you love God? How do you know if you love God? Well, Jesus said, Jesus said, well, actually, well, John Stott, who's not Jesus, much less than Jesus, he said the test of love is obedience, but the reason he said that is because the test of love is obedience to Jesus, because Jesus said in John chapter 14 that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But again, you gotta be careful here. You gotta be careful here, because we're not saying, I'm gonna keep all these rules, and now that means I'll love God, but because there were, the people that crucified Jesus had 613 of them ranked in order. They knew all the rules. They were checking boxes left and right. The big thing that you love God and love people, that's what God cares about. But that's evidence that you've trusted Christ. But it also is, it affects your tomorrow. And so, so this is kind of where it gets um, kind of sick. So how do, you, how do we increase our love for God? Or can we do that? I mean, I just said you can't do it on your own. But if you know Jesus, then there are certain things I think that we can do that will help us do that. To remember um, remember who God is will help us a lot. We're going to get some really super practical ones here after this, but first, I guess, I guess the, the way to step into this, to, 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 do, to focus on this, is to focus on who God is, not to focus on yourself. How much God really loves you. For 1 John 4, 19, 1 John 4, 19, that same letter that John wrote, he said that we love him because he first loved us. So this is not you working something up and making God do something. God already loves you. And when you understand his love for you, when you focus on that and you get his love, then you're able to now, my identity is not in how people treat me or how things look in my life. It's about who God is. So then the question is, how can I, how can I, how can I increase my love for God? Can we do anything about this at all? Well, well, those Franklin Covey guys, you remember those Franklin Covey guys? They have a, a new book out now. It's great. I recommend it. I haven't actually, I shouldn't recommend it. I haven't read the whole thing, but we're working through it. Our staff is called The Four Disciplines of Execution. Four Disciplines of Execution. It's a great book so far. Um, here's a little chart from it, basically, that, what it says. Um, I think, yeah, there it is. So, and this is actually step two. This is discipline number two. Discipline number one is find out, you know, what a, a very important goal is, which obviously is to love God. It's going to be ours today, really for the rest of our life. To love God with all our heart. And that would be what they put there as our rock, or they're calling that a lag measure. Ever heard that phrase? Maybe familiar these phrases, lag measures and lead measures? So, so a lead measure is something that you do. I'll get my, I'm looking at the thing back there. Someone tried to say, so lead measures are over here, right? So a lead measure are the things that you have control over that you can do that will affect your lag measure. And so like my lag measure, like for me, is my blood pressure. What my blood pressure reading is, I want it to be 120 over 80. So I take my blood pressure multiple times a day, although I haven't for two or three days. I find that that's better if I don't. It kind of raises my blood pressure to take my blood pressure, right? I get nervous about it. And so, um, so if I take my blood pressure, and it, but usually there are some lead measures. Okay, if I take my blood pressure medicine, huh, maybe that'll help some. If I do like I did yesterday, and if I eat like three different kinds of banana pudding twice, because I don't want anybody to have their feelings hurt, right? Because they made this banana pudding, somebody needs to eat it, and, uh, and, and the coconut cream pie thing and all the other stuff. If I'm eating all that junk, and then I get up and I drink like 17 cups of coffee. What's going to happen over here? Like it, it's, it's 140 over 90, right? It's not 120 over 80. 
But the lead measures, these are things I can control, things I can do that will affect this. And so, or if you want to get healthy and you want to say, okay, like, or if, you know, if I just, if I just eat bacon and donuts, right, that's going to affect this over here, which is close to my diet, like it seems like. So um, uh, I'm getting convicted. I need to move on to a different illustration. Um, I don't really have, if, if you want to have a good relationship with your spouse, like, this is the goal. Like, our rock we want to, we want to have a good relationship with our spouse. Let's get over here, and let's, let's plan a date night where we don't talk about the kids, right? Let's go out, and let's just spend time one-on-one. Let's do something. Or maybe you want to be healthier. Maybe you should start exercising. That's going to get you, that's going to move this, you know, here. The thing about, um, like, in your business, you want to make more sales, you start, you can make more cold calls. You can't always control this, but if you make more cold calls, you'll see that's going to affect this. That makes sense? Y'all with me? Lightly measure, lag measure? Well, the problem with what I'm trying to tell you today, which I don't want to confuse you, but loving God, it's, it's really, it's also, a, there's a lead measure to it and a lag measure, kind of. Like, so loving God, I can't do that on my own. I can't just wake up one day and go, I'm just going to love God more today. God's got to work in my heart. He has to give me a new heart that wants to do that. So it starts. So for you that don't love God, that have never really loved God, for you, your lead measure today is to surrender to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's, that's, the, that's the end of this whole plan. If you're going to ever love God, you've got to admit that you haven't. You've got to trust Jesus. You surrender to him. And now that's kind of, now you're in. Now, now what you're going to find, if you're like me and like other Christians in this room, you want to love God. God gives you a heart that wants to love him, but then you find yourself falling short. And so are there some things that we can do, lead measures that will help this move this, move this lever, move our, so our love for God today can be greater than it was yesterday, tomorrow, and 20 years from now. That's what... I think about this a lot as you grow older. Like, I want to be an old person that loves God. I want to be a young person that loves God. But I want to love God more when I'm 80 than I do when I'm 50. You know, I want to love God more when I'm 60 or when I'm 51 than when I'm 50. I want to I love God more. And so is there, are there things I can do to build into my life, not unlike my brother-in-law has done, to give him a successful business that can help me love God more as I grow? And I think there are. Do you think there are? What do you think some of those might be? We'll just pretend it's just us here today. Let's just have you preach the sermon some. What are some things you think you can do that might help you, might, I don't know, just, and I'm not going to make fun of you if you say something crazy. I'll just kind of move past it. What's something you think you can do that would um, help you love God more? Read your Bible. That's ridiculous. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That, is actually, that is exactly right. That's my favorite song. I'm just kidding. That is perfect, isn't it? I mean, that's our song. I love to sing it. I've done it here before. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Our kids know this song. Like, we know that, right? Because here's the great thing about reading your Bible. Reading your Bible is a lead measure. Because there was a song by, um, I learned it was by Mac Davis. I thought it was Willie Nelson. I've heard him sing it before too. But Mac Davis wrote a song years and years ago called um, It's Hard to Be Humble. Anybody know that song? I only know like a line and a half from it. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. And then there's something else he says. But there's one line where he says, To know me is to love me. He's got the twang. Or I don't know, I, I, but I can't sing. Anyway, to know me is to love me. Which is so, the whole song, it's just tongue in cheek and it's super arrogant. Right? It's hard to be humble because he's not perfect. But the God actually is perfect in every way and it is theologically true. To know him is to love him. And if you don't love him, you need to know him better. And if you don't love him more, it's because you don't know him better. And if you know him, you will love him. And if you don't know him, it's because you're not listening to him. And he has spoken through his word. You can read this for yourself. You can get it for free on your phone. You can read your Bible. But if that's the lead measure, if I'm going to get to know God better, so do you think, I don't know, this is crazy. This might be crazy. Maybe it is a crazy thing. Do you think that maybe if you read your Bible more this week, you might know God better and might love him more next week? Do you think that could possibly help this if you spent time? 
So here's the thing. I can know this, but then if I get up tomorrow morning, the first thing I do is I read the news, and I see what happened in Nevada, or I see what happened in all the crime, and then I go and I get in the car, and I just listen to political talk radio or sports talk radio, or, and then I go to work, and I just gossip, and I worry about the, the mortgage, and I worry about the downsizing or the upsizing or who got the promotion. If that's all, I, if I get up in the morning and I don't actually read my Bible, that's, I know this is profound. This is mind-altering. Like, like if, you have to actually read the book. So, so what I try to do, you get up, get up in the morning. If I'm going to read my, I try to, before I go downstairs, and I don't do it well, so I'm not, I'm not setting myself out here as an example necessarily to follow because I don't do it perfectly you know, there. But one thing I'm, tr- I'm trying to do, just personally, for, it helps me tell you because then it makes me remember to do it better, is when I go downstairs, like I have this Bible app that was free, and like I can just push it, and, and well, one comes over here, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That was the verse this morning. I'm trying to read that while I'm going downstairs before I even make coffee, so I don't really even understand it yet, right? But, uh, but I'm reading my Bible, first thing, I want to sit down and maybe get a journal and start writing some things down, but pray about it. And then I get the coffee. Actually, I don't have coffee now because of my blood pressure. I'm trying to drink this garlic tea. It's terrible, but, um, but, but I get it. And I'll go and I'll walk a block. I'll walk around our block and try to walk because I have to get outside to pray. You probably, you might pray better sitting down. So read your Bible and pray. I was, I didn't go further with that because that was the next, well, that's part of the song. Read your Bible, pray every day. You think you're going to help you love God more if you prayed more? Anybody, anybody pray enough? You guys, y'all Everybody good? Everybody happy? It's kind of funny when you ask Christians, are you happy with your prayer life? Like people that know Jesus. And like for the most part, I mean, every now and then we are. And I think that's great. I mean, you should be. But honestly, I feel like I'm so weak in that area. It's like I'm so weak in that area. Like I have to walk to really pray well because I'm just like A, D, 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 D. And so like it's just like, it's like the attention deficit disorder, dude, it's bad. And so, so, so like I'm going around, but if I'm walking and I'm looking at the stars, I can like pray better. I can talk to God better. And I'm asking God, God, fill me today. I want to I say things that'll help. I want to I want to speak my kids the way that'll encourage them. Lord, and, and, but I have to pray to him, even pray about the gospel. God, you love me, not based on what I do, but you love me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I'm forgiven, not because of my effort, but because of what you have done. You, you, do, you, you remember, you kind of you pray the gospel to yourself. You're not going to pray to yourself. You preach the gospel to yourself. But remind yourself of the gospel while you're praying to God. But spend time in prayer. Maybe I should stop there. I had like three or four other things. But let's just take these two lead measures. Let's read our Bible and let's pray. So one, if, you know, we'll do that. I had other, two or three others, but we'll talk about this later. Loving people is going to be one. I'm getting a group of people that actually talk about the Bible and will help you and help you grow in your faith. Maybe choose to listen to the Bible in the car. You can have, they'll, my app will read it to me, right? It'll, your, your phone will read the Bible out loud to you um, while you drive to work. Um, but you, you get with God, get in his word. And you, so, you, so you first thing you do is surrender to Jesus. If you've done that, let's be intentional this week about spending time with God. What matters most? God matters most. Let me start my day with him. I want to start my day in his word. I want to start my day praying. I want to pray with my kids, with my wife, with my husband, with my coworkers, with my friends. I want to I spend my time doing things that help us together love God more. Then I think our tomorrow will look different if we'll do that. The lead measure Lead measures, surrender to God. So, so some, some lead measures really for you is to surrender to Jesus. That's the first one. Maybe another lead measure would be to, um, I don't know, just to start your day with prayer. Start your day praying. Praying more than just in the morning, more than just over meals. Start your day in God's word, re- reading the Bible, taking some notes, um, writing it down, connecting with others. These are all lead measures. And what you'll find is if you, you are consistent about these lead measures, you're going to find your heart tends to 
you're going to see it. You tend to think about God more. You tend to love God more, especially if you're around people that remind you of how good he is, right? So that, that's great. We can take that slide off. I don't know why that's that long. That was just kind of a weird rock thing, but clever. But that's what I want us to do. And so, because that's what matters most. What matters most is that you love God. And if you don't love God, if you don't love God, I want to invite you into a relationship with him this morning. That's, that's your first lead measure. And so I think that, that if, if we understand, oh, I didn't go all the way there. Because here's the thing. If you're not loving God, it's because you, you, don't, you don't remember how much he loves you, even as Christians, right? We, we, we forget how much God loves us. In fact, what, um, what Martin Luther said one time, he said the sin, he said it in German, but he said the sin underneath all of our sins is to trust the lie of the serpent that we can't trust the love and grace of Christ. And we must take matters in our own hands. So when we're not loving God, it's because we think he doesn't love us. We love him because he first loved us. So when you get there and you get your mind set on that and you live out of that, then you're able to love others. We'll talk about that next week. You're able to have more joy. You're going you're gonna, to, you're gonna, when temptation comes, it's not just I've got to wrench up my willpower and fight this thing. It's you love me so much. I trust what you said. I won't have to give in. I'm not, I'm not going down that road. So, so all that being said, all that being said, I want you to um, just pray with me for a moment. Let's pray about this together. Will you just bow your heads for a moment? I just want you to ask yourself the question, what really matters most to you? We know what Jesus said matters. Jesus said the thing that matters most to him is that we love God with all our hearts. But really, if you're honest with yourself, what really matters most to you? Is it, is it God or is it something else? Is there something that you have... I don't know, maybe your most important now has been your own comfort, has been your own way of seeing it. Maybe it's that you had to have, you know, that your circumstances look a certain way. Listen, every moment of every day, C.S. Lewis said, we're confronted with a choice. We either place God at the center of our life or we place something else. Is there something else where God should be in your life right now? There is. I want you to repent. I invite you to repent. Even though you may have trusted Christ a long time ago, and, and, and it, I battle it. We all battle. Say, Lord, here's today. I, I know that you matter most. Lord, help me remember that. Help me pause and just, and just remember that you matter. Loving you matters most. If you've never trusted him, then today your, your, your lead measure, the first thing you need to do is surrender your heart to Jesus. That, that's where this whole thing starts. When I was 19 years old, I walked into a room and I told a friend, I said, I don't, I don't, I'm not a Christian and I need to be one. I want to be one. He said, well, here, just, just tell God this. And he prays this prayer. And it wasn't magic words of a prayer, but I, I did. I, I said the same thing after him. And, and so I want to do something similar for you just to help you. It's not about praying a prayer. It's about surrendering your heart, but sometimes expressing it. When you express it to God, it just, just helps you nail it down. And so maybe today, today, February 23rd, you can say, you know what? That's the day where I, I nailed it down. And I stepped across the line where I, I, I know that from this day forward, I'm not doing it perfectly, but I'm trusting Christ. I surrendered my heart to him. If that's where you want to be, then I would just encourage you to, to pray this prayer like my friend told me to pray, where he said, just tell God that you're a sinner. Just acknowledge it. Just admit it. And, and, then, and then tell him that you believe that Jesus died for you and, and rose from the dead. And, and surrender your heart to him. Trust him. Turn from your sin and trust Jesus today. So, so the prayer is so, sort of like this. Maybe you want to pray something silently like this in your heart, right where you sit. Just say, Lord, 
I, I know that I'm a sinner. I've broken your law. I have not loved you with all my heart. But today, I, I want to turn away from that sin. And I want to love you. I want to trust you. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sin. You took my place. I also believe, Jesus, you did not stay dead. You rose from the dead, and you're alive today. Because of that, Jesus, today I want to surrender to you as my, as my Lord, as my leader. I want to follow you the rest of my life. Here's my life. I need you to forgive me. I need you to save me. I need you to be my Savior, my Lord. I give my heart to you today. That's where this whole thing starts. Now, now once you've done that, I want you to grow in your faith. I want you to come see me. I'm going to wait up here for a few moments after this. And, um, I'd love to have a Bible in my office. I've been, I'm, I'm praying about who to give it to. I want to, I want to give you a new Bible and help you grow in your faith. But if you know Jesus, when we ask that first question, what really matters most to us? And it's not loving God. Will you, you just cry out to God just right where you sit and say, God, help me love you most. Help me remember in the moments this week when I'm tempted to forget, let me remember what matters most. And maybe for you, you realize that there are some lead measures you could take. Or maybe ask God, God, what's a lead measure I could take? One thing I could do this week that would help me love you more. And, and then get specific. If he said, I need, you could pray. Like, I want to start meeting you every day at this time and this place. And I'm going to talk. We're going to talk. Not just about food. Not just a random thought before bed. You know, those are great. You should do that. But. I'm going to spend time with you, God. I'm going to open your word. I'm going to read it. I'm going to do it here and, 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 and set an appointment today even. But you do business with God. Whatever he lays on your heart to do, just, just commit to him. Ask him to help you with that. Father, even just standing on this stage where yesterday I was standing talking about Brother Raymond and for this memorial service, Lord, it just reminds me of how brief our lives are. Lord, I want to do as much as possible what is most important now. And I, Lord, I want us to live. I want to live for, for what matters most. I want to love you. I want to love you more. And I want to be known for, for loving you. I want, I want, when, when that day comes for, for me, and it's my moral service, and when it's my brothers and sisters in here, when that day comes for all of us, Lord, I, I pray that what everyone has to talk about is, is that we loved you. And that what our, what our kids and our grandkids and our parents and our neighbors, what they get from our lives is that you were worth loving. I pray they would see that. They would know that. Lord, give us specific ways in, that we can intentionally grow in our love for you this week and Lord let us let us take steps that will that will help with that Lord you deserve that and I know Lord that'll increase our joy and you are the greatest thing in the universe so anything we're loving more than you we're, we're getting ripped off so God help us to love you most and then Lord let our love for you Lord you've promised and I pray that then everyone would see that now we're loving each other better we're, we're, we're we have more joy I pray we'd have peace that only comes from knowing that you love us and loving you and that, that would be contagious. And that you would work through us, Lord, to, to help others love you and enjoy you. You're so good, God. Thank you for your grace. 
but thank you that you love sinners like us. Thank you that there's no one that's gone too far. I pray for anyone here that hasn't trusted you, they would do that today, or maybe if they just did, that they would come see me, they would, they would tell someone, we'd see them and help them grow in their faith. I pray you let our conversations just, just help each other love you more. The way we speak to each other would reflect your love for us. God, let your will be done in every heart and every life that's here now. Help us love you more in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks so much for coming out today. Um, so today, so your homework this week is